Uh, appreciate everybody being here. We are uh, going to be in the Old Testament for a good portion of this morning. We're going to talk about idolatry. And we have a couple of verses that we're going to uh, set some scripture that we're going to look at. Um, and make the basis of the lesson from those areas. Um, I know that we don't worship idols, but I think there's some things in here that are interesting for us to look at. Let's turn to Exodus chapter 20, and we'll look at the first few verses. We have, a, okay, Exodus 20, verses 1 through 7. And let's read those. And, and God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers, upon the children to the third and fourth generations, even uh, to those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. So what we had was a reading of really the first two or three of the Ten Commandments. Uh, and these are the ones that pertain to God. And the rest of the commandments that he spoke to them pertain to their association with others uh, of the, the people of Israel. But just a couple of, or four or five observations from uh, what we just read. He, uh, God said, he spoke these words, you shall have no other gods before me. If there won't be anything that will stand between us. You shall not make for yourself a carved image to represent a God before me. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. So if you don't make them, you can't even bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. I don't know if we think about that really, him being jealous. We don't Maybe not think about that. But that's what he said. I'm a jealous God. So God spoke these ten words. And those ten words or the ten commandments are called the Decalogue. And that's not a word that we use all the time, but that's how it became known. And the basis for that, calling it that, is really Exodus 34, verse 28. So he was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. He neither ate bread nor drank water. This is talking about Moses. And he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. So they're actually called by many the Ten Words, uh, the Decalogue. And uh, in these Ten Words are distinguished from the rest of the law of God in that they were audibly delivered to Moses and to the people by God himself. And God wrote them on two tablets of stone. And so these words here, uh, I don't know if they hold more weight or anything, but this is what God spoke 
to the people and they heard his voice. Same thing right there. Uh, but these are more than laws and commandments. These ten are, are more than that. Yes, they're that. But they are, uh, they go so much further. They're what we might call the constitution by which we to li- or we, that they were to live. We have a constitution. That's the word that I chose to put on there. Because we, this country lives by that constitution, supposedly. And the resulting laws that came from that. And so that's what they considered their constitution, if you will. That's how they were supposed to live in, in, in the treatment of God and their treatment of their brothers, the Jews. And I might add that the law of Christ is our constitution. That is how we're supposed to live as well. It's written down for us. And, and much more is written down. But that's how we are to order our lives. That's the way we speak, live, talk, all that, you know, everything. It, it, this directs our lives. So, and this is what it was supposed to do to them as well. And turn with me, if you will, to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 4. And we're going to read verses 12 through 19. Deuteronomy 4, verses 12 through 9. This is going to add on to what we already said. Say it in a little different way. Deuteronomy 4, verses 12 through 19. And the Lord spoke to you out of the midst of the fire. You heard the sound of the words, but saw no form. You only heard a voice. So he declared to you his commandment, which he com- his covenant, which he commanded you to perform, the Ten Commandments, and he wrote them on two tablets of stone, And the Lord commanded me at that time to teach you statutes and judgments that you might observe them in the land which you cross over to possess. Take careful heed to yourselves that you saw no form when the Lord spoke to you at Horeb out of the midst of the fire, lest you act corruptly and make for yourself a carved image in the form of any figure, the likeness of a male or female, the likeness of any animal that is on the earth, or the likeness of any winged bird that flies in the earth, the likeness of anything that creeps on the ground, or the likeness of any fish that is in the water beneath the uh, earth. And take heed lest you lift your eyes to heaven, and when you see the sun, the moon, and the stars, all the hosts of heaven, you feel driven to worship them and serve them, which the Lord your God has given to all the peoples under the whole heaven as a heritage. So again, that's... Uh, Moses, the, the people are, are ready to go into the promised land. They've, the 40 years is over, and Moses can't go in, so he's reminding them before they go in of all that's happened and to follow the Lord. And so, as I mentioned, this has a, a retelling of what we read in Exodus 20 with a little, little addition to it. So God spoke to them out of the midst of the fire. He said, you heard the sound. You saw no form. You only heard a voice. He's going out of his way to tell them, you didn't see anything. You only heard a voice. Take careful heed for you saw no form. So God chose to make himself known through words rather than some image, some form didn't he? 
uh, he spoke these Ten Commandments to them. They heard them. They were terrified at hearing him, hearing him speak, because he spoke out of the midst of the fire, and it was, and they were terrified. They didn't want to hear him anymore. So he makes himself known in word and miracles, by the way. But the worship of God was not to be transferred from the realm of the spirit to that of the senses. Think about that. It's not, we're to worship him in spirit, not according to the senses. There's another thing that you might consider, that God is not to be confused with any part of his creation. What in the world, what animal would you liken him to? Uh, It just... I can't conceive of the idea myself. So they were prohibited from certain things. Her neighbors, in contrast, the the Gentiles of the region, uh, Israel was prohibited from using any image or any of their images that were left over or copying. They just don't do that. In Isaiah chapter 40 and verses 18 through 20, Isaiah wrote, To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness will you compare to him? The workman molds an image. The goldsmith overspreads it with gold. The silversmith casts silver chains. Whoever is too impoverished for such a contribution chooses a tree that will not rot. He seeks for himself a skilled workman to prepare a carved image that will not totter. So the men that mold and shape and these idols, these images, may be wood. You cut the wood, and Isaiah says more, much more about it, actually. Then you, you, you cut it in half, and you use the part that you shaped, and the rest of it you make a fire to cook your, your food with. So how could you even consider worshiping the other half of it to what then will you liken God or what likeness will you compare to him there is it's impossible to do and so he cautions them don't don't do that in Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 25 really the same thing to whom then will you liken me or to whom shall I be equal Who's going to be equal with God, the creator? Is there anything in your mind that, can cons- that you would consider to be equal with Holy Father, the God of heaven, God most high, he's called. And so what these verse- verses show us is that it would be it, that God is incomparable <coughs> in all forms made by man to represent the creator are at the least inadequate. Since there is nothing that represents God that would do justice to him. And when I got this far in, in thinking about this idolatry thing, I just got online and just uh, typed in the the gods of Egypt or something like that, and it one of the 
links I clicked on, it was it had all of them in alphabetical order and all these names that I had, I had no idea. I'm fascinated by mummy movies. I, I, I am, and I see the, these images that they find in these tombs, supposedly, and I know. But they had all these listings, and then when you come to it, here's a, a dozen or 15 or 16 of Egypt's gods. Uh, here's the alligator, the crocodile, whatever. It's just amazing that you would even consider the idea that I'm going to bow down to this object that was made by somebody and that God lives in that image. It's inconceivable. And when you get over here to Rome in the, the blue frame pictured in the frame over there, all these gods that, see this one right here? This is Hermes. We see him, an image of him. <coughs> if you... Uh, have done, have seen an FTD florist or something, because that's the image. Hermes, the messenger god. Um, but this is, but but to bowing down to something that's made and the image is just, it blows my mind, actually. Once you think about it, let's, let's just say that they're real. Let's just, let's just say they're real. I'm going to do something to please this one. I might make this one mad. It's just too complicated. I don't understand. I don't understand. This one is the God of the hills, and this one is the God of the valley. Here's the God of the sky. I don't understand. Doesn't make any sense. Does it? I don't think so. So here's somewhat of an explanation of, of the gods in, of, in the ancient Near East, and I'm going to put Egypt right in there with that. They believed that a god's spirit lived in any image of that god. And the image can function as a kind of substitute then for the god. The kings ruled, and the god was the ultimate ruler, so the king must be ruling on the god's behalf. Follow me? Is it any wonder that the king soon came to be regarded as gods. Look at Rome. Look at Egypt. They worship these gods, uh, their kings, rather. Uh, and, and Rome wanted worship of kings, and when people wouldn't do it, that's when uh, Christians, for instance, that's when persecution started. And the common man was created to relieve the gods of their heavy burden of work that they were working too hard and men were created so we can take some of the load off of them. So what that does then, men were made to take some of the workload off of, off of the, the gods. Uh, this placed man's, a view of man at a, a, of low value for what we do. So we have, we're, we're at the bottom. We're at the bottom of the totem pole. These, we're, we're there. We serve these gods and do what they are too tired to do. That's what it sounds like. Um, so with that, I want us to look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. I have it here on the screen. 
Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God said, let us make man in our image. This is not a shape. This is not. It's the, the essence of man is made like God. And we're to have dominion. We're, uh, we really have, we're in charge over all the creation. That's what that says. Over the fish, over the birds, over cattle, over the earth, over every creeping thing on the earth. That's what we have dominion over. We're to rule over it. It's for our purposes. That's what it said. By the way, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. In his own image. In his, his essence is in, is in man. So, what man made, what made man like God? What, what makes us like him? We're made in his image, in his, his likeness, his essence. So what is it that uh, is that? And so Moses affirmed that every man, not just the king, is made in God's image. Every man is made in God's image, not just the servants, not the slaves, just every man. And so all mankind, mankind bears the God's image and has dominion over things that God has created. Now, we have emotions, love, wrath, anger, compassion. <clears throat> God does. He has those. He gets grieved at man. He has compassion on uh, men. We have a spirit that will live forever. We have reasoning power that the creation, the animals, and anything else doesn't have. We, we're, we're different. We're set aside. We're, we have a, a physical body, by the way, that part of the Godhead could live in, this kind of body. Think about it. But God said he's a jealous God. He's a jealous guy. In the Pentateuch, which is the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, references to God's jealousy all have to do with idol worship every time, as far as I can tell. That when he says he's jealous, it has to do with somebody placing an image before him. That we would look to the image, the idol, instead of looking to God. In Ezekiel, we're getting out of the Pentateuch, into the prophets, but Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 38, uh, Ezekiel writes for the Lord, and I will judge you as women who break wedlock or shed blood, as, or who break wedlock or shed blood or judge. I will bring upon you in fury and jealousy, and I will judge you as women who break red, wedlock. 
the unfaithful wife. That's what he's going to judge uh, Israel because, they, or Judah now, because they were that way. So the prophets warned Israel to put away the foreign gods and repent or else. Again, in Ezekiel chapter 23, verses 25 through 27, it says, I will set my jealousy against you. They shall deal furiously with you. They shall remove your nose and ears and your garments shall fall by the sword. And your remnant shall fall by the sword. They shall take your sons and your daughters and your remnant shall be devoured by fire. They shall also strip you of your clothes and take away your beautiful jewelry. Thus I will make you cease your lewdness and your harlotry brought from the land of Egypt. So that you will not lift your eyes to them nor remember Egypt anymore. Think how long now the you, the things you brought from the land of Egypt, these idols you brought from the land of Egypt, we don't often think of that. But they are still around in Ezekiel's time, uh, 700 years after they had left Egypt. Uh, that's a guess on the time frame. I really hadn't put pen and paper to it. But the idols of Egypt are still with them. Because they just couldn't put them away. They needed, They wanted something. They didn't need it. They wanted something, I guess, standing up there so that for them to look at, for them to pay homage to, for them to serve. The prophets warned Israel, God's jealous because of an unfaithful spouse. In Psalms chapter 115, verses 4 through 8. Psalm 115, verses 4 through 8. The idols, the idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they do not speak. Eyes they have, but they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear. Noses they have, but they do not smell. They have hands, but they do not handle. Feet they have, but they do not walk. Nor do they mutter through their throat. Those who make them are like them. So is everyone who trusts in them. You're nothing if you trust in them except sin. So you look at these idols, is here's what God says through the psalmist. They have mouths that don't speak, eyes that don't see, ears that don't hear, noses that don't smell, hands that don't handle, feet that don't take a statue anywhere. Doesn't make any sense. They're powerless. They're a waste. In First Kings chapter 18, verse 27. And so it was at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he's a God. Either he is meditating, or he is busy, or he's on a journey, or perhaps he is sleeping and must be awakened. You, you know what the story is. This is the contest, I, I guess that's a good word, between God and his prophet Elijah and the prophets of Baal in, the, in, in serving a false god. And they couldn't get a response from their god on the sacrifice that was to be altered. And so Elijah is shaming, cry aloud, for he's, he's a god, he's meditating, or he's busy, or he's 
gone. He, whatever. Just keep shouting. He'll wake up. Of course, we know that didn't happen. In Habakkuk, Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 18 and 19. What profit is the image that it makes that its maker should carve it? The molded image, a teacher of lies, that the maker of it of its mold should trust in it to make mute idols. Woe to him who says to wood awake, to silent stone arise, it shall teach. Behold, it is overlaid with gold and silver, yet in it there is no breath at all. This is a complete waste of time to be serving idols. But it took captivity for the people of Israel to understand that. That's what it took. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 2, you know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols however you were led. So here we have people now that are New Testament Christians that have left idolatry and now we're serving the Lord. In these worship uh, festive events or whatever you want to call these things, um, in their major feast in which they worship their idols, that prostitution at these temples, idols, was well known to these people in Corinth because they had been part of that. And so they understood the dangers. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, nor homosexuals, or sodomites. That was all part of worship of these idols in Corinth and other places. So that's why he chose to tell them, you know, don't be deceived by that. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 7, then do not become idolaters as some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. So what were they to, here at Corinth and other places, what were they to do? They're to flee. And get away. 1 Corinthians 6, 18, flee immorality, flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. You flee sexual immorality. You get away from the idols. In uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 14, therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Over and over again and over in Corinth, in 1 Corinthians, you see, talk about idolatry. So is there a good reason to run away from such activity? Is there a good reason? Is, is there? Well, yeah. Because it's, 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 it's separation from God is what it amounts to. And so you get away from that. You flee that. You stay away from it. Don't ever go back to it. And we have all kind of warnings. I understand that nobody here worships idols. I've got it. I understand that completely. But there are some thoughts to be had. 
Ephesians chapter 5, verses 5 and 6, For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance of the kingdom in the kingdom of God, Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. All of those things are the people who do them are called sons of disobedience. Wrath comes from God upon the sons of disobedience. A covetous man. You want something that you don't have. You want it pretty bad. You're willing to do those things to get what you don't have. And it may be something that somebody else has that you want that. Not one like it, you want that one. Paul calls that idolatry. The Holy Spirit, through Paul, called that idolatry. In Colossians chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, Therefore put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. The old King James Version says, Mortify, therefore mortify your members which are on the earth. Put to death, is what that word means. Put to death those things, those members which are on, uh, on the earth. Fornication, unclean, all these things. And covetousness, idolatry. Again, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. Word for word in that last verse, most of it, uh, from what we read previously. And so we get wrapped up in life. And the problem is we put things before the Lord. There is no, to be no God before him. Well, unfortunately, we put things before him. We're not worshiping an idol, but there's something between us and God. In Mark chapter 4, verses 18 19, we know this is the, the uh, parable of the sower. Now, these are the ones sown among the thorns. They're the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfaithful. Pretty much sounds like that's idolatry. Covetousness. We want things. The focus is off of God and they become unfruitful. The world gets in the way of serving the Lord. The cares of this world deceitfulness of riches, the desires for other things choke the word. Unfruitfulness happens. The things that we were doing positively for the Lord, we lose focus and we don't do them. The focus then is readjusted from heaven to heaven on earth. We want to go to heaven but we want heaven here. And it can't happen. It won't happen because this is going to go away. Violently, it's going to go away. And so, this is what we need to work on. That these things, and it may be, 
easy things. You know, we just rather do other things. My hobby, my job, they get in the way. And we do those instead of serving the Lord. We put this idol between us. And we're going to reap the reward. And it won't be pleasant reward. We're going to sing number 522. Andrew's going to lead us in that song. That's when the roll is called up yonder. But if we're all wrapped up in the world, the roll calling will be without my name. You need to fix that. Serve the Lord faithfully. Why don't you come while we stand and while we sing this song? <laughs> 